Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about roleplayers. I, as always, am Jess, and it's probably been quite a long time since you heard my voice. We were on a bit of a hiatus there for a little while, but I am hoping to be back at a starting out irregular schedule, but getting more regular as time goes on. And for our first episode back, I have a very special guest for you talking about a topic that might not seem to relate to role-playing so immediately and obviously at first, but as we go on, I hope that my dear friend Giovanni Colantonio can help explain why Blaseball is sort of a different take on communal role-playing. And without further ado, here we are. So, I am talking with Giovanni Colantonio. Uh, G, before we jump right into all of this, yes, <laughs> can you tell us a bit about who you are, what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, I am Giovanni Colantonio. Uh, I'm a, a games journalist, uh, write about the industry for a couple of sort of publications. Uh, Digital Trends is my kind of main one right now. Um, and I do a podcast called Left Trigger, Right Trigger, which is a video game podcast that is kind of like a book club. Each episode, we pick a topic, and each host kind of brings forward a different game that we think fits into that topic. Uh, and we just sort of talk about one subject through the lens of uh, four four different ways uh, and four different games, um, and that's that's kind of the short short pitch of that. And recently, uh, your episode on social in yes. games, your topic was not baseball, <laughs> but you brought it up in a way that I think like just stuck in my brain like an arrow because <laughs> you described it as like. A Dungeons and Dragons game that the creators yes. are GMing for thousands of people at yeah. once. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. So, yes, yeah, so for some context for listeners, yeah, like um, the the last episode we did, we talked about social gaming from like a lot of different perspectives. Um, and I can't even remember what the actual. I, I think I, I I talked about like PlayStation Home during it, and my thing yes, was about how like you know like oh this this was this weird era of like games trying to have. Um, digital social spaces where people could hang out and how silly it was, but how like necessary that is now in retrospect and how like they were so, so ahead of it. Um, but one of my other co-hosts was, you know, we, we were talking about games that were explicitly like phenomenons, like social phenomenons. Um, and we were talking about Twitch plays Pokemon specifically um, as one example of that. That wasn't one of the games we talked, <laughs> that wasn't one of the games we that was actually brought to the table, but it's another one that came up. Um, and, and we kind of pivoted to this game, Blaseball, which um, you may have heard about by now, or you may not have. It's, it's in this weird spot where it's like super niche, but at the same time, like so big within its niche. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how we got to it. Uh, talking about this, social game that has captivated <laughs> so many people in such a weird way. Yeah, and I really needed to talk to you about this because I have yeah. seen you talk about it on Twitter a lot. Mm -hmm. I've seen other friends of ours, like, mention it briefly or retweet yeah. some weird memes, and I'm just standing on the, outsk like, standing on the outskirts basically yeah. saying, okay, the first time I heard about this thing, I looked at it for about 10 minutes trying to figure <laughs> out what is it? Why is yeah. this a thing? <laughs> so, yeah. at its very basic core, 
Yes. What is Blaseball? Okay. So there are two components to Blaseball. It is actually incredibly simple to understand. And like, it, it's funny that it looks so complicated at first because it's it's so basic uh, fundamentally. So there are two aspects of it, right? There is the actual game of what you do in Blaseball. And then there is the emergent social component to it um, that is more akin to to like a, a RPG or something, right? So let's let's start with with the really basic side of that, and that is what the game side of it actually is. Um, for all intents and purposes, baseball is an idle game. And if you don't know what an idle game is, it's basically a game that kind of plays itself, uh, and the player's job in it is sort of to check in um, and have like minimal interaction with it that kind of moves it along. Uh, usually games like this are games where you are like running a factory, for example, and the factory is automatically pushing things out and the player comes in every once in a while, opens, usually these games are browser-based, so you can just kind of like have them up at work, right? And you don't have to play them, but you can flip to the tab every once in a while and be like, oh, my game is progressing. Um, and how these games usually work is they're based off of different like passive income essentially so a big example of idle gaming is this game called cookie clicker and the idea of cookie clicker is you're running a cookie factory and basically what happens in that game is you automate a factory making cookies and what you do as a player is every once in a while you come in once you have made enough money casually like passively from your factory making cookies and what you do is you buy upgrades to say Let's make more cookies per hour so that when I check in in an hour, I'll have more cookies and more money. And then you can say, okay, I've gained the ability now to unlock uh, making different kinds of cookies, which I can sell for more money. So when I check back in in the game in an hour, I'll have even more money and can get upgrades. And it's basically just like you're you, a lot of these games are almost like you're just managing an operation, right? It's like you set them and forget them, and they're meant for you to come back and feel like you have progressed without doing anything. That is okay. what an idle game is. Um, they're they're just meant to be very minimal. You're you're not even really you barely play them. Um, but it, you know there there's an appeal of that because it's kind of like well, it's a game you can play at work or it's a game you can leave on in the background, um, right? So that's yeah. that's the starting point for this is is having to understand what that is. Baseball, for all intents and purposes, is just that. The premise of the game is that it is a baseball league, an internet version of baseball where you have a bunch of teams and every week is a different full season. So usually in baseball, a season goes however many months. It's all compressed into a week. And how the game works is that all of these teams go against one another. Every hour, there's a different game of baseball. It takes anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes usually. Um, you know, 10 games happen at once. There are 20 teams in all. Uh, and these teams just play each other. And it's just all automated. The, the game plays itself in the sense that all of these teams have matches. You log in. You can watch the matches happen. What you do as a player and your minimal interaction with it is that you get money and you can bet on games. It's essentially a gambling simulator, and that's kind of it. Okay. Uh, you, are, you are betting on these games. You get gold, and you say, okay, these games are coming up. It gives you the odds for who's going to win each one, and you say, okay, I'm going to set my bet. You come back in an hour, you see if you got money, if, if your bet paid out, right? Um, and you get more money as you go. And so there's also a passive component to it, like a lot of these other games, where you can set it up so that if 
and you back when you join baseball, you you pick a team, and that is like your team. And a lot of your passive bonuses are based on that team. So, for example, you go into the shop right away, and you can buy passive income, where every time your team wins, you get a certain amount of money. Which means that you can leave the game for five hours and come back, and it might be like, hey, you made 50 coins because your team won three games. Um, and so it's basically the cycle where you go in, you make money, you reinvest that money into betting on games, um, and over the course of a week, an entire season plays out. On Saturday, it's the postseason where the top eight teams tournament style go against one another. Um and then it it comes down to two teams in the end, and and that's and that's it. Um, and so that's like the very basic interaction components of it. It's basically you are sports betting, and that's it. Um, now there are a couple more components to it outside of that. Uh, one is that every season there is what is called uh, an election, and what the elections are are basically a list of different buffs that you can receive for your team. So, for example, um, if you are on the Canada Moist Talkers, which is which is one of the baseball teams, uh, That's you the one can that you have been standing for the. Wild. I'm a big I'm a big Canada uh, uh, Moist Talkers fan, and and when we get into the fan interaction part of that, I'll explain exactly why and recruit as many of you as possible to the Canada Moist Talkers. Um, <laughs> But so basically every week there's there's an election. The election happens on Sunday. And basically it's a raffle system where there are different blessings you can get for your team. So you take all of the coins that you have earned by betting on games and you buy a bunch of election tickets. And you use those tickets to put uh, tickets into a raffle for your team to win certain buffs. So for example, there might be a buff that's like it in, your team's batting improves by 20%. Right. All of your players have stats or all the players on each team have stats. So like a lot of it has to do with buffs to that. It's like, you know, improve your your weakest player to become like a five star player or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the system of the game is basically like you make a lot of money. You bet, you bet, you bet. You make a lot of money. A lot of operations happen in the background. At the end of the season, you buy a bunch of votes. You try to make your team better so that they can win the playoffs one season, you know, and and be the the best team in that week of baseball. Of course. Um, and so that's like that's the very simple component to it. That's like the loop of it, you know. It's it's these one week loops that are built around gaining as much money as possible in as sh- you know the short week span of time, um, you know, hoping that your team wins. But beyond that figuring out how then you can take your money and put it into this raffle to um, try and win buffs for your team. And in addition to like team-specific buffs that you can win, um, there's also something called decrees, which change the rules of the game next season. So that might be as simple as, like, next season, uh, you can vote so that the four worst teams uh, get four strikes at bat instead of three. You know, that might be one. Or there can be one that's like, this team that is really, really powerful, you can vote to have them split up and have their players sent to other teams, you know, to to break them apart, right? Um, and one of the big rule changes that happened, like, early in the game was this thing called Eat the Rich that said the top 1% of players who, uh, you know, money-wise get all their money redistributed to other players at the end of every season. Uh, so just different things like that. And the game builds on itself in that way where new rules get introduced um, and teams evolve and whatnot. Um, 
I think I missed like a very basic explanation of this because I, I thought it was assumed, but like this is a, a, like a simulation of baseball um, in the oh. sense that like, yeah, like there, there are teams, they get a record, um, you know, every season uh, who goes to the playoffs gets based on whose record is the best. Uh, the teams are all just like very wacky, weird teams. There's like the Hades Tigers and like the the Hellmouth Sunbeams. Yeah, um, I think the one that I ended up signing up with was the Hawaii Fridays. They have the chillest vibes. They have the chillest vibes. Um, for and that actually means some, that's a mechanic. That's not even that's not even like a okay. <laughs> just saying they have chill vibes. Um, the deeper you get into mechanics, the more complicated it starts to get. I will say, but like yeah, at its very basis, it is just a a one to one simulation of baseball where you bet on a season gain money and then try to make your team better at the end of it and you have a random chance of doing that so Um, how does this relate to something like fantasy football where you're looking at individual players and what they can do because if the teams are all made up the players are also all made up right yeah so the players are all like randomly generated names and stats um and when you click on a player what you'll see is like a bunch of different stats you'll see a pitching stat um, you will see a batting stat. And then within that, you'll see something like defense, which is how well they play in the field. Um, you'll see something like base running, which is their ability to steal bases. Again, a lot of this is just basic baseball stuff. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if those things are confusing, like that's just, that's one barrier of the game, right? Is like, you, you kind of have to know a little bit about baseball, um, to kind of understand like exactly the flow of a game. Um, but, but all these things are just one-to-one to baseball, right? It's just kind of like, yeah, they have different stats and and they're randomly rolled. Um, and so, yeah, what happens is you just kind of have players where you have a batting rotation. Every team has a batting rotation and they have a pitching rotation. They have like six pitchers and I don't know, like 10 batters or something like that. Um, and, you know, like every game, a different pitcher for your team will pitch. And then, you know, the batters just kind of go, down the line uh, throughout throughout the games um and like in terms baseball. of like base it, exact it's exactly just baseball if you understand baseball this is this is very simple to understand all you have to know is that you are betting on baseball games and that is it you know it's it's that's it's simple um so as it pertains to fantasy football the thing that's slightly different about it is that you are not managing the team itself like you have no control over like oh, who am I putting in the team to play? You are just like an outside fan of the team. Um, And the reason that is, is because every single person who plays the game is seeing the same thing. It's not like you're, it's not like you're going into the game and you are like in your separate instance of it where it's like, here's how the teams are performing for me. It is essentially a social game, which is very weird and different for an idol game, which are meant to be like super individual. Um, and that's where it starts to get complicated because uh, it it has this huge social component to it. Um, and in some way, the game, even though it's an idle game that is like very minimal in interaction, it is also on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, also kind of a game as service model <laughs> game, which is like, if you don't know what that is, it's a game like Destiny or a game like um, even like, Fortnite or or uh, uh, the new Avengers game that came out where 
it is a game that is living and breathing and evolves over time. It's not just like a set game every time. The developers are very actively updating it. They're like actively adding new story elements to it. We'll get to what that means in a second. Yeah, um, I'm very curious <laughs> about that aspect. That That's the fun part of it. This is all just the like logistical, like here's what it is part of it, right? So like, yeah, the developers are are adding new things to it every week. You know, the rural changes are part of that, but also they are, they're adding storytelling components into the game um, and, and things really change from even day to day. You know, like week to week, there are sweeping changes, but day to day, things really change. So it is, it is a weird intersection between like the most individual type of game possible blown out to a social scale. Um, and that's what makes it really unique and also like i think really daunting for people because when you go into it if you know what a so if you know what an idol game is like it seems like one but it's really not <laughs> because there's this wider component to it um and i think that would take us to the meta narrative of it do you have any other questions about like what the game itself is before i get to that though so no i think you've explained everything that i didn't understand about like the logistics of actually engaging on a mechanical level with yes blaseball and you know like i'm yeah. looking at blaseball.com right now yeah and it's the, the season just ended so you can't see like the games that you had bet on um the season literally as as we were talking uh season six ended and the baltimore crabs won the won the championship like yeah it, it which is which is incredible at time uh, of recording the next season starts in Forty hours and twenty-four minutes. So yes. I, I will be looking in at this. I'm also noticing that my poor Hawaii Fridays were the lowest ranked in Fridays. The had, they had a really, really bad season. Uh, and this is this is something that's really fun about it too. Is like, you know, you pick a team randomly, but then like you suddenly start to get invested in that team legitimately. You know, and you're you're kind of like, oh, like I want my team to do good. Um, and even though like these are just random matchups, um you know, you can kind of just tune out of the game aspect of it if you want to and just treat it like a sport. Like a very ethical sport because they're not getting people together during a pandemic. Like, Amen to that. It is just like a more ethical version of sports right now where it's like you pick a random team, these random matches play out, and like you start to just root for them in the same way that you would root for like a, a real baseball team or or a real football team so um, there's the story aspect to it but it can kind of just be taken as passive entertainment as well exactly and and that's there's so many components to it and i think that's why it's so successful like again like if you really are just someone who's into idle games and you just want to like gain a bunch of money and then like try to make your team better that's there if you just want to like watch it and I've had a, like, I had a season like this where I just like watched it, you know, like one of my first seasons playing, I was like, I don't really care about the betting stuff. Like, I'm just going to watch it. And I just treated it as if I was like following football. Uh, so you can just treat it as a sport and, and like, you know, like again, like a fantasy sport where it's like, you just kind of like see what plays out um, and root for your team. Um, and then there is a component where you get much more deeply involved in it. And, and I think that takes us to, um, the second half of baseball, which seems much more daunting than that very basic idea. Um, so here's, here's where things get weird. Tell us <laughs> about the weird stuff. Here's where it gets weird. So baseball or baseball has a very big community to it. Um, a lot of the game's community lives on a discord that the developers set up. Um, and if you, 
you want to get into the game more, it is highly encouraged that you get into uh, that Discord. What happens when you go into that Discord is it'll ask you right away, what team did you pick? Like, what's your team? You click the emoji, and it sends you into... It opens a bunch of channels for you, like public channels, but it also sends you into your own team's Discord channels, where just all of the fans of the team uh, hang out and just chat. Because baseball is so minimal in what it shows you, right? Like, when you go to the site, it just shows you games happening, it shows you players, it shows you teams... Um, there's not a ton else, right? There's like little bits and pieces where it's like these new rules that happen um, and like little narrative pieces within the game, which again, we're getting there. Um, But like, it's very stripped down. And because it's very stripped down, the community of the game has taken it upon themselves to fill in lore and story Mm -hmm. uh, for their characters and their teams and whatnot. And that's where the role-playing component comes in, and that's where kind of the tabletop RPG component comes in. Um, So what happens is that people, for example, go into the Canada Moist Talkers channel, right? And we look at our team of, of just random names, and somebody makes fan art where they go like, this is what I imagine this player looking like, right? Uh, one of one of the biggest players, one of the like favorite players in the Canada Moist Talkers who lost this season um, was this guy Richmond Harrison, who somebody drew as this like big jolly axolotl, right? Just like uh, this okay. jolly sea creature who like got up to bat and kind of looked like a quagsire from Pokemon and would just like whatever. And he he was terrible, like his stats were awful. <laughs> but what happened is like people were so enchanted by this piece of fan art that they grew to love him. And he became like the heart and soul of the team for people. And people would draw more pictures of him. And based on the pictures of him, people would say like, you know, here's like, here's how I think this guy's like, you know, like I think he's this like total sweetheart. He's like picking flowers in the outfield, you know, and like giving them to all the players and everyone's like, okay. And what happened is that spun off into people making a wiki. And the wiki is where fans just go and they write a bunch of background on all of the teams and all of the players. So what happens is that despite the fact that there's like no information about any of these players, you know, that that they are just like lines of code and randomly generated names, people start to build stories for them. And emergent narrative starts to come out of that. And baseball at its core is just this huge, huge emergent narrative game where people are just, like, deciding the relationships between these players and, like, the storyline of what's happening with their teams. Like, for the Moist Talkers, we pick, like, a different mascot every season. And it's not something that's in the game. You know, you'll never see it in the game. But we decide, like, here's the new mascot for the season. (laughs) It is a pile of, like, dog vomit with googly eyes on it. Oh, my God. Named Hork, you know? And, like, everyone's like, okay, good. (laughs) And, like... (laughs) Our team coach, at some point, somebody decided, like, our team coach should be, like, a Banjo-Kazooie. It's going to be Moose. They're going to be named Moose Goose, and it's going to be a Moose and a Goose, like, Banjo-Kazooie. And, like, none of that stuff's in the game. But what happens is, once you're in the Discord, and once you're in the wiki, you start to pick up bits and pieces of, your like, your team's story. Um, and slowly you know, you, you just start to, like, understand it. And then slowly you start to understand, like, what other teams are doing, you know, and, like, trade lore with them and whatnot. Um, and so the social component of it is that, like, everyone is seeing the same game, and because the information is so minimal, they get to fill in the gaps. And the developers are, like, 
totally on board with that. And they're like, yes, we want like everything you guys want to do is totally fine. Like whatever. I mean, they're very open about that and and it's super cool. Um, And so that, yeah. and, And so that's a huge component of it where it's like, it's basically just this creative space where like, anybody who wants to engage with it more gets to go into it and put input into it, you know, and like essentially make things canon for the game and like turn fandom into canon. Um, And there's just like a huge community aspect of it where like each team and like the baseball community at large comes together to, to fill in the gaps. Um, And that's super, super, super cool. Um, It it ends up just being like this huge community endeavor. Um, that again, it is like a bunch of people role playing together, um, and like playing a role playing game together. Um, and within that, there is the developers of the game who then, because of that, kind of become dungeon masters for everybody. And the game itself, through that lens, is like almost like a tabletop RPG, yeah. Um, because on top of the regular baseball that's happening in the game, um, there are weird supernatural elements that the developers are sprinkling in as the game goes on. So during okay. the first, so during the first, se- so during the first season of this game, like the first week of it, it was normal, right? It was just you watched it and it was baseball and you would bet on it and like you know it was kind of goofy because the names of the players and everything were so goofy, um, but like it was very simple and it was like the most minimal version of it possible. The election that season where people could vote on rule changes had an option called open the forbidden book. Of course, everybody voted to open the forbidden book because they wanted to see what, yes. Um, What happened when that happened was that the rules of baseball were revealed in a tab on the page that said book. And a lot of the rules are redacted out and a lot of them are kind of secret. And you know, you can just kind of see like the basics of it. But when the book opened, in the lore of the game, this caused rogue umpires to come down from the sky and start incinerating players at random. (laughs) So what happened was, like, usually games would just have weather that was, like, sunny or, like, windy or something. Season 2 added a new weather condition that was called Solar Eclipse. And when a solar eclipse game happens, there is a small chance that an umpire might just incinerate a player <laughs> and then they are removed from the game, uh, you know, like burned burned alive and uh-huh. a new player is rolled and put into their slot. And that's when people started being like, oh, okay. So what the developers basically are doing is they're like making all of these different mystery boxes for people to open. Um, and there are more and more as the game goes on and the game kind of compounds and gets weirder and weirder. So in season two, uh, one of the election options was just peanuts. And all it said was peanuts. There was no explanation for it beyond peanuts. So obviously everybody voted for peanuts because it seemed the most mysterious. Of course. And basically what that did is it added this like mechanic to the game where you could buy a bunch of peanuts and click on them to eat them. Um, And it was this mechanic that was kind of intended to be like... It was supposed to do something at some point. Like, once players ate a million peanuts, something in the game was going to happen, right? Um, but the API for the game was originally so unsecure that people cheated and, like, 
would give the went into the code and gave themselves like a million peanuts and it kind of like broke the game and so the developers have this philosophy that's kind of like let's just make the bugs into the game um you know let's roll with it in the same way that a dm would right of course. like like as a dm you come across things that like are not expected like this is this is I think the point where I think like it, it, it'll make the most sense uh, to you as like a tabletop person like they put something into the game where they were like okay here's this mechanic for people to do once they eat a million peanuts we are going to unveil the next part of this the players messed with it and so they pivoted and what they did was they uh, essentially had this like peanut god enter the game oh, no. that like smited people uh for for essentially peanut crimes um and so you know, i was hoping you were going to say peanut crimes yes but i didn't i didn't dare believe it would be true uh yes uh it's it's very strange very strange um so now in the game there's just like this weird peanut god that comes up every once in a while like the page will just like turn to this like spinning peanut graphic that'll say things, you know, like text will appear under it. Um, and it's very ominous. Um, and so, yeah, it, they're like DMS in that sense, right. Where they're just kind of like, uh, putting new mystery boxes in place. They're putting like puzzles into the game now a little bit, which is really interesting. Um, like community puzzles. Um, and yeah, players are like banding together to either go for those and like do things that they intend or, to kind of go against them uh, in the same way that a D&D party would. Um, I can give you a I can give you a crazy example of this, but I I because I, I, I want to tell you about like the most interesting thing that's happening in the game right now. Um, but ask me questions if you have any because that's a lot of information at once. Yeah, it really is. And oh my god, like the thing that I want to do right now is just yeah. make sure that I'm really yes checked in and like i want to dive in and you mm. you took me essentially from this being a weird curiosity that i had been hearing about to now that i understand what it is i want in so yeah. how long have you been engaging with blazeball yeah so i would say since season uh three i think and possibly season two um the game started we're on the sixth season now, so it's been eight weeks because there was a two-week break in between because um, uh, the game was not ready for the amount of traffic it got, and the developers were like, we're going to take it offline for two weeks to fix it um, so that it can actually handle the traffic. Um, I got into it, so it was very daunting for me at first um, because, again, like when you get into it, it seems really confusing. Like If you're just coming into it as a game, it seems like very minimal and barely a game. So it, it kind of seems boring at first. Um, and when people tell you like, oh, no, 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 all that stuff is like happening in the community and like, oh, you should check out like such and such, like that's very daunting too. Um, so basically what happened is like, I eventually got into it, you know, very minimally. The first couple of days I was with it, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm betting. I'm watching teams. Like I'm, my team's kind of doing good. Like I hope they win, whatever. Um, and at some point, I just kind of went like, I'm just going to join, join the Discord and see what happens. If you want to get into baseball, I, the thing I would recommend is really getting into the Discord, um, picking your team, and going into your team channels, and just like being like, hey, what's up? I'm new to the team. And then just start to kind of follow them. Um, because everyone I know who has played this game has basically done this. And they've all started the same way where they're like, 
this is really confusing. Um, and they all started the same way where it's like, you look at the wiki and it's like, well, I can't possibly learn everything <laughs> that's happening in this game, you know, cause like the wiki's gigantic and like, there's so much history to it, even in like six weeks of the game. Um, but what happens is you like go into your team and then you just start to pick up bits and pieces, you know, like you, you start to see people talking about like a certain player or you start to see fan art and you go, oh, okay, I get it. Like this player, this is what their story is. Right. Or you start to go like that piece of fan art is cool. I'm going to go to their wiki and I'm just going to like read what they are. Um, and like, that's how you start to build the emergent narrative of it. You know, you start to like pick up bits and pieces and like watch games with your team and like see people comment on them um, and start to like get those, get those narratives, you know? Um, so it, it's just like, when you go into the Discord, there's also channels where it's like you can interact with everybody, and I don't recommend really trying to do those because it's like watching a Twitch chat <laughs> where oh, yeah. it's just like boom, 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 boom. Um, but the team channels are like pretty chill. People just kind of like hang out. They like shoot the shit. They they share lore, whatever. Um, it's, it's very, very, very fun. Um, so that's if you want to get started, like the, the way to start. It's like if you're a Fridays fan, go into the Fridays Discord. The Fridays are like an especially really chill team. Um, so like that fan base is a great one to, to kind of jump in on. Um, and yeah, like it, it's really not so daunting. It's just like you start to pick up bits and pieces, you know, and then like you'll never know everything that's happening in the game. You'll never be like a lore keeper. Right. Um, but like that's okay. You know, it's like you, you learn your own team and then you start to pick up things from there. Um, and this is a... This is a game that has spawned a community that is yeah. thousands of people strong at this point, would you say? Yeah, it's uh, like tens of thousands. <laughs> like, I probably like very committed, like actually like actively committed, like probably just a couple thousand. Um, but when you look in the Discord, there's like, you can see the like choose your own to choose your team. And it says the numbers of like how many fans there are of every team. Um, and they range from like, over a thousand people being fans of one team, you know, to like, you know, like down to 200 is the lower end. So like 20 teams, you're talking like, it's a lot of people, <laughs> you know, it's yes. like 10,000 uh, at, at least. Um, but active, it, it's, a, it's a lot less than that. It seems like this came about at maybe the perfect time because yes. right now, you know, to kind of stamp this in history, we are... In the during times, as I yes. like to say. Uh, but if this started like eight weeks ago, they had to have been thinking about this at least from the before times and just kind they, of figured that now is now is when we put this out. So I actually talked to the developers um, of this game. It, it, one of the reasons that I just know a lot about it is uh, I wrote a piece about this game for Fanbyte where I talked to the developers and like their journey of kind of like bringing the game to scale because they did not expect it to get so big. Um, and actually the entire thing was conceived during quarantine. No um, kidding. Yeah. When it started, the company was in between games. It's made by the studio called the game band. The game band made this game previously called where cards fall. It's like a very neat little indie game that was on Apple arcade. Um, but like, you know, a very, a very basic game compared to baseball. Like it's, it's a little like four hour indie puzzler. Um, that's like got a little bit of narrative and you know is is an interesting central mechanic like it's a game it's like you pull you pull a game out of a box and it's where cards fall and i don't mean that in a negative way just like it, it's so tight in that sense yeah um and basically the developers said that like they were in between games 
they weren't sure what they were doing next. And, you know, the pandemic was happening. They wanted to make something they could do remotely with like no team. You know, they were basically like, we don't want anim- we don't want to have to do animators. We don't have to do whatever. Like we basically want to have like a three person team, a three person central team with like a lot of support outside of that um, help us make the team. They didn't have a web developer when they made this game. Um, it was literally just like, uh, like a narrative designer, you know, and like a programmer and like, a a game designer you know like that was it i am Um, a bit baffled as to how you make a web browser based game like how do you start that process without a web developer but yeah it's it's crazy like and and when i talked to them about it they were they admitted they were like i don't like i I don't know what we were thinking (laughs) i mean they just didn't think it was gonna be big you know they they really thought it was just gonna kind of be like a small curiosity and and you know that that was it um I mean, and they, they thought it would pick up Steam and, and they thought it would have a following, but like it picked up Steam really, really fast and I, I think went to a much higher ceiling than they expected. Um, and so, yeah, it, it came at the perfect time because like their idea with it was basically like, yeah, like there's not sports right now. Like we should make a version of sports that people can watch. And like, you know, I, I don't think people thought that baseball was going to come back. So I think they were like, this will be a replacement for baseball. Um and, you know, when the MLB, like, announced that it was kind of coming back, they were like, okay, now we have to get this out quick <laughs> because, like, yeah. we want to make sure we get it out before, like, the season actually starts and make it a thing. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, it's it's very interesting in that regard. Like, they, it really was conceived to be, like, a social game that people could play together during quarantine and come together and, and have a community aspect of it. Like, that is all actually intentional, um, which is which is fascinating. And again, it wasn't supposed to be a big thing. Like, it was really supposed to be, like, an in-between project for them. Um, but, it, you know, that's it. <laughs> I think this is kind of a perfect thing right now because so many people are missing out on communities of almost any kind. Yes. Especially, like, you know, a lot of people in my circle with, like, the role-playing and the tabletop aspect, the actually being at the table with your friends is such a major part of it. And this seems like the sort of thing that wouldn't be terribly difficult to kind of Shanghai a couple of your gaming pals into, especially if they already had literally any interest in sports or sports-like things. Yeah. Because what I'm picking up is, like, this is sports plus weird magic. It's it's sports meets serialized TV. Um, Like... Basically, it's, it's, and the developers have described it like this, you know, they're like, it is, we, our intent was to make serialized TV, like things happening week to week and like drama unfolding and rules changing and like mystery boxes, like it is meant to be like watching a TV show. Um, and in that respect, um, it is like sports, but it's more like sports anime um, yes. where it's, where it's just like, yeah, there's like a sport that's central to it, but like, that's not really the main thing about it. You know, the main thing about it is like, all of these crazy things that are happening. Um, one of the co-hosts on Left Trigger, Right Trigger, Dave, um, is not a sports person at all. Um, and when he kind of started it, he was like, I don't think this is for me. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know the rules of baseball. Like, I don't get what's going on. Um, and then he started seeing the fan art. And then he kind of like got into the Discord and started realizing like the crazy lore that his team was making. <laughs> um, and then he was like, oh, I'm bought in. Like this, this, I get it now. This is genius. Um, and so 
it really does have that appeal. Like if you are somebody who likes sports, cool. If you're someone who doesn't like sports, but you like TV, cool. If you're someone who likes role-playing games, cool. It's like kind of a perfect game <laughs> in a lot of regards. Oh yeah. Um, because it just like hits a lot of different, um, uh, different fandoms, uh, you know, and different interests. Oh um, man. I, yeah. I mean, right now I'm just, I'm excited for the next season because I'm totally bought in. Like, I'm going to yeah. be looking up and joining the Discord's Discord soon. Yeah. I want to tell you, like, one story from please, this game. Please, do. That it, this this will have resolved by tomorrow. Um, but I, I just want to give, like, the best example in my mind currently of the intersection of the game aspect of it and the community aspect of it and the world building aspect of it and the DMing. Like the, the, the one singular event that's happened in the game so far that I think like best describes what this thing is. And it's very weird. <laughs> so bear with me. I um, mean, weird seems to be the wheelhouse of this whole thing. So bring yeah. it on. So season six, the big mechanic that they added to the game was this thing called idols. And what idols do, essentially as a game mechanic, is it's a new way to get passive income. You choose a player from a team of your choosing, just any player you want, and you assign them as your idol. And what you do is you have different passive things that you can upgrade that give you an amount of money based off of every time they pitch a strikeout or every time a batter gets a hit. And so that's meant to be like, okay, you know, like there's a really good pitcher. I'm going to give him... I'm going to make him my idol. I'm going to upgrade my strikeout pendant uh, and upgrade my passive for every time they throw a shutout, which is like a game where, uh, you know, they don't score, they don't throw any runs, you know, it's just like a zero uh, score game. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's meant to be a system that like gives you more passive money, you know, so it's not just like, oh, if my team wins, I get money. It's like, oh yeah, you can pick any player and get money that way. Um, and functionally, like, that's all it was, right? It, it was just kind of, like, a mechanic like that. Um, what happened at some point was the Canada Moist Talkers, my team, we talked about incinerated players earlier, players mm -hmm. that can just, like, be burned alive by rogue umpires and disappear from the game. Somebody on the Canada Moist Talkers discovered, uh, somebody, somebody sent them this, basically, that when a player is incinerated, they still actually have a player page. Like, they have an ID that is baked into the game, and you can actually go and find any player that has been incinerated. And what happens is it just lists them as uh, being on null team <laughs> instead of, like, on a team. Um, but, like, functionally, that player still exists in the code. And so the person on our team who found this was basically like, what would happen if we all chose them as an idol, because in the game, there's an idol leaderboard where the top 20 idols show up. And we were like, I wonder if we can get them to show up on the board, even though they're dead. The other thing that we realized was that that season, there was a certain buff that teams could win in like the raffle at the end of the season, which happens tomorrow, uh -huh. that said that you steal the 14th most idolized player from the league onto your team. Uh-huh. And so somebody said, if the 14th most idolized player on the board is someone who is dead, does that mean that we could resurrect someone who is dead by putting them in the 14th most popular idol spot 
and then having someone win that blessing and bring this dead person back to life oh onto their God. team. <laughs> and so we slowly got them onto the board into like the top 20. And the community started to figure out what was going on. And we like went into the main channels and we went into other teams' channels and we were like, hey, this is what we're doing. Do you want to help us defy the gods of the game, quote unquote, and raise the dead? And everyone was like, yes. Yeah, why not? And so the whole community banded together to get this player into the 14th spot. And we, our team went to the team uh, whose player it originally was. Uh, this player used to be on a team, the Seattle Garages. And we said to them, hey, we're not going to vote for this blessing to bring the 14th player. We are going to leave it to you so that you can resurrect your team member who was incinerated if you want to. And so that led the garages to have a moral debate within their fan base oh, of wow. like, is it right to bring back somebody who has died and force them to play baseball again? And furthermore, if you bring someone back to life, it means that you are trading out somebody on your team. And usually like if you steal a player from another team, sending over your weakest player to them. So they were like, are we making a sacrifice where we are sending someone else to null team, uh, <laughs> meaning to death? Uh, and there was a huge debate about it because they were like, we don't know if this is moral. Um, and like the, t the organization, the team as a whole was like, okay, we are going to do it. We're going to like try to win this. It's a random raffle. So they might not, someone else might win it. Um, but they were like, we are going to do it. And other players were, you know, some fans on that team were like, we don't agree with this, but like, that's what they decided as a whole. Um, and so, like, that's how deep that intersection can get um, at mean, the moment. Like That discussion of, like, do we sacrifice our weakest member to bring back this person from the dead? That's, yeah. like, a conversation that I have literally had sitting around the table with my pals being like, okay, we can bring this person back with the resurrection spell, but it's yeah. going to cost this other... Uh, like, can we do it? Is it yeah. right? Oh, my God. Yeah, like morally, we, we don't even know if it's going to work. You know, that's like an interesting thing about it. Like at, at the time, this hasn't happened yet. And like, we don't know if we're going to get to like tomorrow and it's just going to be like, they can't be resurrected. You know, like it's, it's really a mystery box. We also don't know if they're going to come back and there's going to be like a horrible thing that happens because of it. You know, like it, it, something crazy could happen. The, the developers like on the fly might just kind of be like, let's turn this into something, you know, like this wasn't something we intended to happen. Like, let's build this into our narrative. Um, and that's what's really appealing about it. Um, and, like, there's so much that came out of that. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much narrative where it was like the Moist Talkers had a bunch of players who were lost this season. There's, like, this weather effect in the game called feedback that can cause players to, like, switch teams randomly. You know, like you can be in a game with like the Hades Tigers and suddenly feedback can trigger and like you just swap a player between teams. Ugh. And that happened to us like three times. We lost like three players that we really loved to teams. And like, so the narrative became like, we were so upset as a team that like all of our favorites got played that we decided to defy the gods by showing them that we can resurrect the dead and we have power over them. And that's like, Again, none of this is in the game. You don't go to placeball.com and like see that. It all lives in the Discord. It all lives in like the social media channels for the 
um, that like the fans have created, you know, like fans have created channels for the teams, fans have created channels for the players, um, you know, like that's all there. Um, and, and that's it. Um, and on top of that, people also are using the platform to like do serious good. And that's like another weird aspect of it where like the community came together and they were like, Hey, we can just like raise money for charity with this. And so every Sunday, like teams pick a different charity and they just do fundraisers for them. And it, again, it's just through like the social channels. And eventually the, the developers were like, Oh cool. We'll integrate that into our site, you know? And like, they kind of put something up on Sunday now to be like, Hey, here's what these teams are doing. Um, the developers are also really chill about like, they were like, Hey, anybody who wants to make merch and sell it, you can do it. They were like, we're not going to like tell you, you can't do that. We're not going to like control the merch and like whatever they were like, this is as much your thing as ours. And so people like sell t-shirts and stickers and whatnot, and they're allowed to do it. And like the developers aren't like striking people down for it. Um, so it's this huge collaborative process. Um, I should say the game has a Patreon. If you are like, for listeners who are like really interested in it and and becoming like like actually get into it, like they do have a Patreon where you can support them. The game is like not profitable at the moment. They're trying to get there, um, but that is like an option as well. Um, so uh, yeah, God, it's that kind of storytelling is is where it really excels. And again, some of it's in the game, and a lot of it's not. And the intersection between the two of those things is fascinating. I cannot wait to dive into all of this yeah. uh, just blows my mind that something like this not only exists, but like has been on the edge of my radar for so long. And if I yeah. had just engaged with it a little bit sooner, I could have been a part of that already. Yeah. But again, like it's intimidating, you know, because again, like a lot of the times it feels like there's a huge inside joke that you're already out of, you know what I mean? And, and that's mm -hmm. like the people I know who are like still not into it, just like feel like it's a huge inside joke. You know, they're like, I don't get it because like, you know, I'm posting stuff about it on Twitter all the time because like, I don't know, I, my Twitter is whatever the hell I want to post. Um, and like, yeah, it's like confusing to be like, we're raising the dead. The moist talkers are doing this thing because it's like, what are you talking about? And if you go to the game's website, like you're not going to see that. So it's like, what's happening? Um, so it's totally understandable that people have like not really found an in on this yet because like it seems really inaccessible at first, but I will say that like, it is actually very, very accessible. Um, it is, it is very easy to understand. Um, it is really just like the game itself is simple to pick up on. Um, and then like get into the discord, go into your team's channels, be like, hi everyone. And just like start listening in, you know, and, and just start like, reading pages of the wiki as like you are like i wonder what this player's deal is um and you will slowly just gain your own knowledge base of it and you can invest as much time as you want at, at that point like you can just casually play it um you can help make lore like help make fan art like do whatever you want um and the game is like a valid experience no matter what level you want to play it at. And, and it has so much flexibility in that respect. And that is, that is why it is so intriguing. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is the, just the idea that I could jump in and be like, huh, this random thing has really sparked something in my brain. I'm going to just yep. slam out 500 words and throw it on a wiki. Like that's a thing that I can do for someone yep. else's property. Booyah. Yep. And, and it's this huge collaborative process because, like, everybody is just writing stuff. And, like, 
because players sometimes like switch hands between teams and whatnot, you know, like there's there's a really collaborative aspect of it too, where it's like, hey, this community built all of this lore for this character, and now like this character has been passed to another team through the mechanics of the game. Like, let's build on that, you know, like let's let's uh see what we can do next. Like we had a player on yeah. our team. Uh, who's named like Workman Gloom, who came over from the Hades Tigers, and the Tigers had done like all of this work for them, you know, or uh, they came over from the Shoe Thieves, I think. Actually, they came over. Uh, they were like the the best player on the Shoe Thieves, um, and like, you know, we brought. They came over to our team. We like, I think some of our players like talked to them about like, oh, what's their deal? Like, what's their story? Um, and then like we built on that, you know, and we were like, okay, like here's here's our piece of that, and here's here's our interpretation of like, now that they have come to Canada and are part of this team, like here's what is happening to this character now. And here's how they are different. Um, yeah. And I've, like, yeah, I've it's talked on the show a lot of times about collaborative storytelling. And I yeah. think the, the idea that you are shepherding someone else's lore is yeah. really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It, it's just, it's just building. And like people aren't precious about it because like things change in the game every day. Like players, suddenly get incinerated or like players switch teams um right now there's a whole thing where two players are stuck inside giant peanut shells and can't bat that's a thing that happened today um, okay that's complicated that one i'm not going to try to explain this is the kind of stuff that you will find as you <laughs> get into the game but like it. it's just like you know no one is like really precious about it because the game is meant to change so rapidly so like it's like you you throw your piece in and it's part of history and then like say eh, maybe someone's like okay here's how it has evolved now or maybe like that's it you know <laughs> like it's like okay cool this is the character's deal um or maybe they get incinerated like five seconds after you put the lore up and it's like well <laughs> that's what happened to them um cool now there's a new character that has been brought into the game that we get to play with um so yeah it, it's it's there's a lot of space to just like do role playing stuff and, and in a time where like it's really hard to get together and do like proper D and D with people and do like proper, like multiplayer with people and like all of these things. It, it really is a version of that, that works, you know, where like it's better if you are like online with people over discord and like interacting with people over social media than like sitting in a room with 500 people. Um, oh God, it's, yeah. it's just meant to be like a story that goes 24 hours, you know, like around the clock and you come in and you're like, what happened today? Like, what did I miss overnight? And, like, you, you shoot the shit with people, and, and that's super fun. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for opening my eyes to the yes. majesty of Blazeball. Um, if you're listening and any of this has sounded super cool to you, check out Blazeball.com. That's B-L-A-S-E-B-A-L-L. -L. Uh, G, where can my listeners find you? Yeah, so uh, Left Trigger, Right Trigger, we are on any podcast service that you can find. Uh, we are on Spotify, uh, Libsyn at ltrtcast.libsyn.com. Uh, um, but any podcatcher that you use, uh, we should be up there uh, so you can check it out. Um, as for me, just, you know, just look at gaming sites. Sometimes you'll see me. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Mario Prime uh, and, and as well. And that's where you'll find all my stuff centralized, I guess. All right. All right. Well, thank you again, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for talking to me about all of this. It thank has been you. an absolute blast. Thank you for having me. And uh, we are a love baseball, and the commissioner is doing a great job. 